Welcome to Hippie Witch, magic for a new age. I'm your host, Joanna DeVoe, and this is a happy, hippie place where magic with a K meets the law of attraction. Hi, thanks for joining me for episode 228, I think. I've gotten a little off track with my numbers lately. Thanks for joining me for episode 228 of Hippie Witch, Magic for a New Age. My name is Joanna DeVoe, and I am the kooky creatrix behind Kick-Ass Witch, Putting the K in Magic, and Hippie Witch, the show you are listening to right now. I also have a free ebook by that name, Hippie Witch, Peace, Love, and All That Good Shit, and you can pick up a copy of that at www.joannadevoe.com or back on the description page for this episode, back on blog, talk radio. Today's episode, as you can probably tell by the title, is going to be a little all over the place because I want to talk about a few different things. The shifting sands of belief, astrology, animism, and feng shui. Somehow this all makes sense in my mind. I hope it makes sense to you. We'll find out by the end of this if you can stick around that long. (laughs) This is definitely going to be more of a personal share than instructional, but I do have a really neat feng shui exercise to share with you toward the end. So hopefully you will stick around for that. Uh, Basically this episode is A bridge between last month's theme of God, which was very weird and and, uh, out there and hard to talk about in a way. (laughs) So it's a a bridge between last month's theme of God and this month's theme of feng shui. Yay! We're talking about feng shui in the month of May. And for those of you who don't know, feng shui is the art of arranging your personal space, your home, your room, your office, even your car, to best optimize the energy in that space and get it flow, flow, flowing in the direction of your dreams. But before I get into that, before I get into feng shui, I want to talk about the shifting sands of belief because belief is a tricky thing. And uh, not everybody believes in feng shui or any of the other things I want to talk about today. And I'm hoping that in bridging this month of talking about God and or last month's theme of that with this month's of uh, feng shui, bridging it with this idea of the shifting sands of belief, I hope it will open your mind to the concept of feng shui and that you'll play around with me here this month and maybe have some cool experiences with your home, wherever you live, however you live. Because I have had a lot of cool experiences that way this year and I'm really excited to share that with you. I hope in an experiential way. So you're not just listening to me, but you actually like start playing around with your own space that way. Um, It'd be really exciting to hear about that too. FYI, if you want to email me. As the month goes along, I would love to hear how you all are going through this um, theme with me if you choose to do so. Uh, It was interesting regarding last month's theme to hear the wide variety of beliefs regarding God and to see how attached some people are to their idea of God as the end all, be all, truth, the end. You cannot argue with me. This is what is true. 
Interestingly, most of the messages I received like that, messages in which the messenger was proclaiming their truth to be the one and only, most of those messages were from strangers and just people passing through. (laughs) Uh, But you all, my more uh, core tribe here, you all were a very open-minded bunch and uh, you had a lot of fluid ideas about the goddess and God, source, the universe. So there you have that old like attracts like dynamic and play yet again, clearly demonstrating that we are gathered here together to get through this thing called life because we share a common belief system, obviously. And clearly we are the most awesome of the awesome because awesome attracts awesome, right? Right. (laughs) I'm so glad that I get to talk about this stuff with you guys um, because it can be very lonely otherwise. I think that's one of the great things about the internet is that it's brought like together with like in a very validating, comforting way. It's it's cut down, I think, on the loneliness factor for a lot of us out there woo-woo people, in my opinion. So, I guess this is also just my opinion, but this is what I believe. Witches, magicians, law of attraction practitioners makers of magic, we are the artists of the spiritual community. We craft our magic. We craft our spirituality, which means our spirituality is our creation. It's our art, and it's subjective. It cannot be pinned down. There is no truth. (laughs) There's personal truth, but um, it's not about facts and measures. It's about our personal experience of the divine and As much as we have that in common, uh, you know, in the way that like attracts like has brought us together, no two personal experiences or expressions of the divine are alike, especially when you get into the magical community. (laughs) And you either love it or hate it. It can be very overwhelming or very exciting if you're a curious person like myself. I love to hear other ideas as long as they're presented in a a groovy, kind way. (laughs) Um, In the early days of this podcast, I used to frequently joke that my mind was so open, I was afraid my brains were just going to fall out one day. (laughs) I think in talking about what I believe, I got more clear on what I believe in the process, you know, just in doing this podcast. It's given me a great sense of clarity rambling through these podcasts week after week. And I have since become more grounded in my belief system than I was when I first started this show. Um, But, 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 but it's still always changing. I'm still that open-minded person. And to me, being an open-minded person suggests that you will experience a continuing evolution of thought and consequently belief, which I find exciting. I like that. I like to con- you know, continuously evolve that way. It's exciting. It's fun. It keeps things interesting. I live for those aha moments. And you can't have an aha moment if you're not open-minded and you think you have found the one true truth forever and ever. Amen. So I suppose that groundedness that I'm saying I feel now, it, it, it's like a steady evolution 
it's still evolving, but there's a steadiness to it where belief is gradually grown on a bed of experience. Whereas when I was younger, my open-mindedness expressed itself in a flakier way. (laughs) I was like hopping from thing to thing to thing to thing to thing. Uh, And I was just very much in my mind, whereas now this evolution is very much about experience and moving gradually from experience to experience and adding to my belief system, allowing it to grow and evolve in a more organic way. I don't think either is right or wrong, by the way. Um, If you're in the flakier thing-to-thing-to-thing stage, I think that's all good. Uh, For me, both were necessary. Um, But the latter, the steady evolution, certainly feels a lot calmer and like a more centered way of being, and I definitely prefer that state. (laughs) It's less manic. I feel much, uh, it's just a more comfortable state for me uh, to be in. Speaking of just a whole host of, of ideas and changing your mind, themes of Aquarius keep popping up lately. I don't know why. Um, Aquarius this, Aquarius that on the internet. Um, and it's kind of pissing me off. <laughs> and it's, what's funny about that is it's pissing me off in the most Aquarian way, where it's like a very provocative... Aquarians like to change their mind a lot, or they just do change their mind. I don't know if they enjoy it, but... Um, uh, there's been like a confrontation of belief. And uh, even in like a one 24-hour period, I have had a couple of experiences uh, involving Aquarius. One was my friend, um, my friend Dawn is, she's doing, I, I hope you listened to the episode we did together on um, God Astrology. She's really giving astrology a goddess focal point, you know, which very much is in alignment with what I'm saying here about uh, the creativity, the spirit, being a, a spiritual artist. You know, she's kind of making astrology her own in that way. And she's been exploring themes of, uh, not themes, this concept of, or theory of assigning goddesses which are portrayed as asteroids in astrology as co-rulers of certain houses and uh, I have a long history with Athena that you may have heard me talk about but to me Athena is very much in alignment with in the minor arcana um, the queen of swords Athena is the queen of swords in my mind and then in the major arcana the justice card she is also that and then in astrology, Athena, because, because, or I mean, I'm sorry, uh, Libra, <laughs> because Libra is the scales and scales and justice and fairness and blah, 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 the sort of truth. Uh, in my mind, it makes perfect sense. So when she was talking about these, assigning these goddesses as co-rulers, I was like, oh, totally, Athena would be the co, um, co-ruler of Libra. Libra is ruled by Venus. I think Dawn, uh, this is just me guessing, but I think she got interested in doing this because some, like Venus rules two signs. Uh, It rules Taurus and Libra. So I think maybe that's what got her thinking about that, that like, you know, like, well, you know, there's these goddesses hanging out. Why, (laughs) Why don't we spread the love around a little bit? 
Um, but she sent me a text last night, something like, like, you know, I just want to warn you. I'm actually thinking about um, assigning Athena to Aquarius as the co-ruler. And my response to her was like, you got to do you. Like, yeah, if that makes sense to you, it's cool. Uh, but also, just so you know, <laughs> Athena will always rule Libra in my mind. <laughs> and um, that's funny. And it's and both can be true because I think, you know, the many faces of God in uh Game of Thrones, we have the many-faced God. I think that's a kind of, that was a morbid, um, what isn't morbid? I was going to say that was a morbid storyline in Game of Thrones, but what isn't a morbid storyline in Game of Thrones? But that many-faced God idea, I think, oh, that's pretty close to being in alignment with what I think God is. It is a many-faced God. And I think people are many-faced people, you know? So like, if you're my lover, you're going to have a very different experience of me than someone who is my enemy. Or if you are my grandma, you're going to know a completely different Joanna than maybe like my former boss might know. Um, if you are my very best friend who I trust with my life, you're going to know a very different Joanna than someone I might consider a frenemy. <laughs> So I am a, the many-faced Joanna. I think gods and goddesses can be like that too. Planets, asteroids. So maybe Dawn is experiencing one Athena and I'm experiencing another Athena and she is this many-faced god or many-faced goddess. And it's all true. And it's about our personal experience of it. Uh, the second Aquarius moment I had was this morning. I was on my walk. I almost always take a walk in the morning and I was listening to a podcast because one of my favorite people was being interviewed and she said something toward the beginning to where I didn't even hear the rest of the conversation because I got so hooked into what they said. It so challenged me and pissed me off to be quite honest <laughs> because I have an ego and it challenged my perspective. But she said something about how we're moving into the age of Aquarius now and um, and then she said the thing that like totally triggered me. And that was like, you know, we're moving out of the time of Pisces and Pisces is all about the ego. It was all about the ego and and Aquarius is about moving into heart center. And I was like, ah, no, <laughs> first of all, the spirit guide I've been working with forever. Um, I, the name that that I I don't know if it assigned itself its name or I subconsciously did. I don't know, but its name is Pisces. So again, I have like a personal connection to Pisces and Athena. Like these are personal archetypes to me that I work with regularly. So I was very much like, oh, hell no, you did not just say that about Pisces. <laughs> Plus we are products of the Piscean age. So I took it personally, even though I can laugh about it because it's not that serious and I still totally love her. Um, but Aquarius, to me, like, you know, this is the dawning of the age of Aquarius. It's all like hippie shit and people are so excited and it's going to be this ut utopian world we're moving into. I think that is uh, wishful thinking, personally, in my perspective. It's great. It's groovy. It's all good. I want to be, you know, a naked hippie dancing in the flowers and singing that song. <laughs> 
high on life and who knows what else, but um, <laughs> this idea that Pisces is the age of the ego and Aquarius is the age of heart just did not resonate with me. Aquarius, to me, is the opposite of heart-centered. It is very much about the mind and hopping from idea to idea, uh, even to the point of being unpredictable, even to itself. Um, it can like fly off track pretty quickly because it's it's always changing its mind and overthinking things. And it can be very unpredictable and uh, surprising that way because it's it's such a mind-oriented sign. And of course, the power of mind is Aquarius's greatest strength. It is a mind magician. It's great for so many things like being creative and unique, but I definitely do not associate it with the heart chakra. Pisces, on the other hand, to me, is all heart. It's compassionate, deeply emotional, and intuitive to the point of being psychic, which to me is a kind of heart-knowing rather than mind-knowing. And in its highest expression, it is Christ-like that way, like Christ consciousness. I relate to this idea of Pisces. Uh, so when I think of the dawning of the age of Aquarius, I think of fresh new ideas. Exciting, a little bit scary. Uh, shocking, random change. Uh, inclusivity, inclusivity, geez, that was... Where did that come from? Inclusivity of what was formerly deemed weird and unacceptable. I think of Aquarius as being a time where like, we're changing our mind about what is weird and weird is cool and weird is good and weird must stay, my friend. It's a time of great change. So not to rant off on that too much, but so who's right? Like, who has the true take on what this, what this age of Aquarius is all about or what the sign of Aquarius is all about? Neither of us. And both of us, of course. <laughs> both can be true. And it could be that um, we will each experience the dawning of the age of Aquarius in alignment with our belief of what that is. You know, clearly we did not all experience the age of Pisces in the exact same way. And to say so would be absurd, right? I think. <laughs> um, and then just speaking of absurdity, maybe astrology itself is absurd. Or any of the things I'm talking about today, feng shui, animism, maybe it's just all absurd. You know, there are people that, that live very vibrant, healthy, productive lives that have completely rejected religion altogether. And then there are are people that lead productive, healthy, vibrant lives that, you know, follow the same monotheistic religion they grew up in and they look at us like spiritual seekers, like we are batshit crazy. Like, why are you wasting so much time with all of this neurotic craziness? And I think, oh, but you don't understand. It is art, my friend. It is art. We love it. It's our passion. It's interesting. It's fun. It's fun. We're having a good time here, right? I hope. <laughs> and it can be deeply healing as well. Um, but in terms of like astrology being absurd, uh, it's certainly not based in any kind of logic that I can see or fact that we can measure. Uh, 
Jeremy Crow, who I had on the show quite a long time ago, who I really, really love. Uh, he's super cool dude. Lots of good ideas. But he wrote, recently posted what I thought was a thought-provoking video on why he does not believe in astrology. And it was very logical. And it was basically like astrology is not based in fact. Um, and what he was saying completely resonated with me to the point where I was up until about halfway through going, yeah, maybe I don't believe in astrology either. It's all bullshit. What have I been doing all this time? <laughs> I've certainly gone back and forth on that stance many times, you know, like, what, why, why, this is crazy, why do I care about this, um, you know, and I kind of just, I go from being a believer to being a non-believer to being a kind of sort of believer, back around to being a believer, and I guess that's part of the fun for me, <laughs> but then uh, he went into how, even though he does not believe in astrology as a predictive science, he does use archetypes from the Zodiac in his magic. And at that point, I was like, aha, that's it. Astrology is not a fact-based system. It's an art. Some call it a science, but a science of what exactly? I don't know. Perhaps the science of you, should you choose to experiment on yourself that way. Uh which is why Dawn can assign Athena as a co-ruler to the sign of Aquarius. And I can be like, oh, hell no. She clearly belongs to Libra. Both can be true. <laughs> and neither is true. I didn't know I was going to get all into astrology this much. <laughs> I never know where we're going to go with these shows sometimes. So what are we here to focus on? I think it's important to decide what feels true for you and to know that you can change your mind about that anytime you realize that some so-called truth that you have been holding on to no longer works for you or you realize maybe it never worked for you. Um, if it feels true in an empowering, energi energizing way, if it feels like it's serving your life, awesome, keep it cool. <laughs> if it feels true in a way that generates shame, anger, or fear, or maybe like in a, de a dependency to where you're like constantly having to check the astrological weather and you can't like move forward, or you have to constantly like buy things to, to cure, you know, little feng shui cures for your house and it turns into like a OCD kind of obsession, you know, maybe it's not so great for you. <laughs> um, and then at that point, when you get to a point of realizing that, you can start reaching for a better feeling belief. I think all these things, I say this often, but it's it's something that I hold true. I love tarot cards. I love crystals. I love astrology. I love feng shui. But to me, the, it's all about the metaphor of Dumbo's feather. I don't think we really need all of these things. Like in the in the story of Dumbo... Dumbo could fly when he was holding this feather in his trunk and he thought it was the feather. It was like a magical feather that allowed him to fly. Uh, when he was in an emergency fire situation, he lost his feather, but he had to fly. He had no choice. And so um, he was forced to leap <laughs> from his perch and come to find out he didn't need the feather, that the power to fly was in him all along. 
I happen to like the feathers. I think they're pretty and fun to play with and really, really cool. And that's the art of our magic. That's the art of our spirituality. Um, but I, it's, it's all just crayons in the coloring box, if that makes sense. So having said that, let's talk about animism. Another crayon in our coloring box. <laughs> Animism and feng shui. Two coloring, two crayons in the coloring box. Coloring box. Jeez, what is with my tongue today? Aquarius has my tongue. <laughs> Animism and feng shui are really both emerging for me together as part of the same story. So I want to introduce this month's theme of feng shui in that context of anima, animism and feng shui going together. That's also why I wanted to give today's show that crazy long preamble that I just preambled through about the shifting sands of belief. Because my sands of belief have been gradually slipping from pantheism to animism to the point where I currently seem to be straddling them both. I'm somewhere in between. This could be a really confusing episode. Jeez, I hope you guys are with me still. Uh, lots of ideas. Lots, lots of crayons in the coloring box today. Animism, like pantheism, is only one of many perspectives in the New Age pag pagan community, of which there are many, 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 many. We are a very colorful book or colorful bunch. That's what I'm talking about. You hear that? Instead of saying bunch, I want to say book. There's a trickster at play in this episode. A trickster has my tongue. Uh, what I like about the best of the pagan community, which is the part of the community that I choose to focus on, I just focus on the best of it. Uh, what I like about it is that instead of arguing about which is true, animism versus paganism versus polytheism, blah, 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 if... You know, arguing over which is true, I, what I love is we're able to discuss it in a friendly way with a lot of curiosity going on. So instead of arguing, we're just discussing, we're just chatting. It can get a little heated sometimes if you dare to tell me that Libra is not the co-ruler or Athena is not the co-ruler of Libra <laughs> or that Pisces is e an ego thing. Um, but it's all good. It's all fun. I love that sense of curiosity and listening to each other that I see is very prevalent in the pagan and witchy community. And that to me is a very good thing when you can move away from the paradigm of this versus that to like, weird. Oh, weird. That's interesting. Tell me more, dude. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> and um, just to be clear, Let's move on. Let's move on. Let's move on, Joanna. Stop rambling. Just to be clear, pantheism is the belief that we are all part of the divine. The divine is in us all, and we are all in the divine. Therefore, everything has soul in a way because everything is a part of the ultimate soul, the God force that runs through all things. Animism is more like each individual thing, every rock, every tree, every bug, every home, feng shui, feng shui, feng shui, everything has its own soul. So both perspectives feel true to me in that I've always sensed the soul in all things. 
Like I can go up to a tree and be like, hey, dude, I can have a conversation with the tree because I sense that the tree is a sentient being in a way. Um, and it's been like that for me always. And that ex- that that experience fits into both ideas like that. It, it, it could be pantheism. It could be animism. Maybe it's a little of both. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I, I guess I've always sensed the soul in all things, but that they vary that idea. Um, so I'm not sure if the feeling I'm feeling is either the one soul that flows through all things or the individual soul of each thing. And does it matter? I don't know. I'm just coloring. I'm just coloring. Uh, Sarah Ann Lawless just wrote the mother of all posts on animism. Uh, so if you're looking for some clarity, somebody who does not ramble as much, Sarah Ann Lawless is a great person to turn to for that. She talks about animism a lot. Uh, but this post is very in-depth and detailed. It's like all about animism. So I will be linking to that in this Friday's Witch Review, which I post on my blog every Friday, but the last Friday of the month. Uh, but I'm definitely linking to that because it is epic. And uh, I feel that I must. But I pulled out a couple of key quotes from that article here today to help give some clarity. So let me pull that up here on my computer. Where did I put that? Okay, so this is what she says. Animism is the belief that everything has a spirit and a consciousness, a soul, from the tiniest organism on earth to the great planets in the heavens to the whole of the universe itself. And then when you think of the whole of the universe itself, you get into something called the anima mundi, the world soul, which uh, Carolyn Elliott is the one who really got me thinking about the anima mundi and this idea of the world soul or the universal soul. And I like it very much. I like that idea. It reminds me of the world card in Tarot, which is sometimes called the universe card. Some of my decks call it the universe. Some of my decks call it the world. Um, But it reminds me of that because looking at that card as the anima mundi, seeing as it comes at the end of the fool's journey makes perfect sense because the fool's journey at that point, at that point of conclusion, has finally reached the point of transpersonal integration. So cool beans, cool beans. (laughs) See what I mean about how being a maker of magic is about the art of spirituality and just how personal it can be. So the more you learn about these various systems and symbols, the better you're able to like weave them all together and your spirituality becomes this super groovy tapestry that starts to take on like a technicolor life of its own. Your your coloring box expands. You got more colors to play around with and then you can blend the colors together and you start making new colors and it gets very, very fun. Uh... She, I have another quote from her here somewhere. Oh, okay. So she also says, thank you, Sarah and Lawless, for keeping me on track with today's theme. <laughs> uh, Within the philosophy of animism, there is no distinction between magic and mundane. 
all is magical and all is mundane simultaneously. Consider this for a minute. Every act is an act of magic. Yes, and that, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while now, you will know that fits in perfectly well with my take on magic. If magic is creating change in conformity with your will, every act is an act of magic. Especially moving things around in your house with a sense of purpose and intention, which brings us around to feng shui. (laughs) Feng shui is extremely magical that way. I am so deep in the feng shui this year, the decluttering portion of it specifically, that I literally feel shocked when I like look up from the work that I'm doing with that to see like, oh, right, the rest of the world is still going on without me. (laughs) It's been my whole world for the last couple of months now, especially, uh, especially last month, the last couple months, I've been so in it to where I have to like force myself to concentrate on anything else that is not that. Like I really have to apply some discipline to keep my business running because I want my whole business just to be working on my house right now. I'm just in it. And uh, this particular experience with feng shui, I've had many, but this time is different. And it feels, dare I say, is this true? I don't know. I'm going to say it. It feels like the most profound spiritual practice that I have put myself through to date. Uh, Which is why I can wait to get to May to this theme, because it's all I want to talk about right now. I just want to talk about feng shui. Uh, Do you guys remember a couple years ago, I think it was the summer of 2015, I was reading Marie Kondo's book, The Life Healing or The Life Changing Magic of Tidying Up. And I did something called the 100 Things Challenge. That was sort of like a taste of what I'm experiencing now. And uh, Marie Kondo, I'm doing a much more extreme version of what I did that summer, like a deep, deep dive into what I really feel like now I was just flirting with that summer. But Marie Kondo, uh, I for some reason I was poking around in Shintoism. I was really interested in the animism portion of Shintoism which I probably have no business poking around in because it's so outside of my culture, but it's fascinating to me, this idea of Shinto and animism. And Marie Kondo was talking about greeting your house and talking to your house and how things have soul. And I was like, weird. So I started like Googling her and realized like, oh, she comes from a a Shinto background. And so her book, The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up, There are parts of it that are like animism light. So I think that's when I really first was like, yeah, this animism stuff, it's really interesting because when she's talking about greeting your house, like, hello, house, when you walk in and like treating it like it's a person and also the individual items in your house, uh, something about that like loudly resonated with me. It felt true, especially of this home I'm living in now. I have... I think I've always had a a pretty, I don't know, clingy, needy relationship with the homes I've lived in. I I feel like they're an extension of me. I get very attached to them, like they're people 
Um, but this one, especially this house I've been in now, I've been here over 13 years. And when I first moved in, the name of the street I lived on, uh, it's the name of a tree. And I didn't know very much about this tree, but I really liked the name, the, the sound of it when I said it. So I was Googling it and I saw that this tree is known as um, like a healing tree. It's a healing, it's associated with healing. So pretty early on, like close to day one from living here, I called my house. It had a title, the house of healing. And I had no idea how profoundly true that would turn out to be for me because the bulk of my healing has happened here in this house. And I went deep down into the scary underworld here and emerged a completely different person. It's been such a healing experience, which only strengthens that emotional bond I feel with my house. But when I was reading uh, Marie Kondo's book, um, I can't remember if she suggested this. I think I, it was just a wild hair I got that, like, I need to give my house a name. Like, it has a title, The House of Healing, but I just got, felt like my house needed a name. <laughs> so I asked it what its name was one day, and, um, and it told me. I got an answer just, um, in my imagination, in my mind, just something rose up from my subconscious very clearly. This is the name. I'm not going to tell you what the name is, but um, it was biblical, which made me laugh. <laughs> it's like, of course, of course, that would come out of my subconscious. Um, <laughs> but uh, I don't know. So now she, I'll tell you, she's a girl. She's a girl. My house is a girl. She has a name. She has a title. And something about that felt empowering to me. This is why I wanted to start with like the shifting sounds of belief, because I know that this can be so out there woo woo for some people where you're like, oh my God, this lady is insane. A house is a house. It's not a person. It doesn't have a soul. It doesn't need a name. I challenge you if you're one of those people to... Maybe just open your mind for a day and think about your house that way and see how it feels to you. Like, what if, maybe act as if, what if your house did have a soul? What if your house did have a story, its own life that it was living and it was affecting you and you were affecting it and you're in a relationship with it? Like, what would that be like? What if that was true? You know, you can try that on as a what if. You don't have to take it on as a personal belief and you can still have some interesting insights. I think for me, when something feels true and I go with it, I don't care if it's like true, true in the greater scheme of things. I think like, is this enhancing my experience? Does this feel good? Is this making me a better person? Is this adding to my life in some way? And if the answer is yes, I'm like, cool, then let's just go with it. And for me, the answer is yes. When I think of my house, I have more respect for my house when I think of it as a soul. I have more respect for how I'm living my life. I'm doing it with more care. I'm being more thoughtful. And that paradigm shift was really special. I think for me, it really changed the way I live my life. So I really recommend playing around with that. Um, I have a lot of stuff 
a lot of junk that I'm getting rid of and a lot, a lot, a lot of it, like 43 years of it. And again, I've been in this house over 13 years. So this is a very, very time consuming process going through cupboards and closets and so many boxes and, um, bags of things that, uh, I started wondering like, oh my gosh, am I going to be able to see this all the way through to the end? Because it's time consuming. I'm spending hours doing this every day. And I, sometimes I feel like I'm barely making a dent in it. So, uh, right when I was having that thought, I stumbled on Dana Claudette, Claudette, C-L-A-U-D-A-T, the Tao of Dana. Um, she is a feng shui expert and I really fell in love with her right away. She's got an awesome personality and um, was listening to her videos while I was going through the process. And she was very good company while I was doing that. And she started talking about this program she was uh, relaunching called the Catalyst Camp. And it's an eight-week program. And um, so I signed up for it because I thought, oh, my gosh, this will be the thing to hold myself accountable. It will keep me on track um, for, you know, so I don't go I I don't want to I didn't want to stop this process. I don't think I would. The ball is rolling. I'm into it. I'm super into it. But now I'm doing the catalyst camp along with doing it, listening to the videos in the camp and um it's keeping me very much on track. But I mentioned that because something that I learned from Dana before the camp even started, uh one of her free videos, I can't remember which one. It's on her YouTube channel somewhere. Uh she, this is the exercise that I said I was going to share with you at the end of the episode. So we're coming to the end of the episode here. Um, but she has you get like a notebook or a journal and spend some time with your house. And um, what you're going to do is you're going to write the story of your home, your story's house. I see this could happen in two different ways like it could be your story's house or your story could be tell or your what am I saying it could be your home's story or your home could be reflecting back at you your own story um and and you don't have to have either in your mind when you start this process you'll just find out when you start writing which it's going to be for you but I got a special journal for this and this process, I have a pretty big house. It's super old, but it's it's big and cavernous and there's lots of rooms. But basically, you take your journal and you go into each room of your house and you sit there with it and you let your house speak to you and tell you, you know, what's going on. So you ask two questions. What is the space telling me? And then how does that make me feel? My house had a lot to say. <laughs> a lot has happened here. Uh, I was I was really trying to stay open and just let the space speak to me and get... I tried to do it from the perspective of a stranger. Like, if I just walked into this house and I did not know the people living here, like, what would this, this room, this space tell me? And it was crazy. It was like divination by house. It was like house divination... And it was extraordinary revealing, revealing. It was so revealing. There was lots of crying and laughing and insights. I saw things I have never seen before. It took me hours to get through this process. And um, which is why I'm recommending it to you. It's 
it's a mind blower if you're willing to go there completely and really let your house, let your space tell you what's happening. I have this idea that I've talked about before about the body, the home, and the soul being connected. So um, your soul expresses itself through your body and then your home is also like an extension of that. So like your body is maybe like it's your mobile home that you're moving around in. It's the home within your home, you know, and then your home is, you know, it's another layer out from there. And so to me, they're all connected, this body, home, soul connection. I have this little sigil cartoon glyph thing that I've been drawing for a few years now since I started working with that idea and the longer I sit with it and work with it, the more true it becomes. So, um, again, I'm not, I'm not sure where I stand on the animism, pantheism thing. You know, I can kind of shift back and forth like, okay, so my, my home is my soul expressing itself through this space. Or my home has its own soul. What I think is more true of even both of those statements is that both are true. My home has its own soul and my soul is expressing itself in this space. So there's a relationship going. I'm in a relationship with this home just like I would be with a person. So if I move out and you move in, this home is going to have a totally different experience because you're a totally different person. You know, that many faces of God idea that I was talking about. So um, this is just a primer. This is a long month. We're going to have four episodes here together, even with me taking the last week of the month off like I always do, I think, if I calculated correctly. Now I'm doubting myself. But um, regardless, I just wanted to do this episode on shit's going to get weird this month. And I invite you to open your mind to this idea of feng shui. You don't have to embrace the idea of animism to get into feng shui. That's just my personal point of view of it. Uh, Feng shui is really just about moving things around in your space to create more energy flow, better energy flow, a better feeling space. For me, that process is enhanced when I think about I'm working with the soul of a room or even the soul of a table. (laughs) Like what is, you know, what is this table telling me? Um, You can get very detailed. What does this pencil have to say? I don't know. (laughs) Like how psychedelic do you want to get with it? I don't know. But I recommend starting with that exercise where you just get out a notebook, go through your home room by room and ask, what is this space telling me? And how does it make me feel? How, How do I feel in this space? Both. What is this space telling me and how do I feel? And then if you go through every room of your house that way, you'll have a little story to tell. You'll notice themes emerging. And then you can decide, do I want to change this story? Do I like this story? And that's where feng shui comes into play because then you get to change the story. You get to rewrite the story by moving your stuff around. So I hope you enjoyed this. If you have any questions or comments... Find me somewhere. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook as Joanna DeVoe. I'm on Instagram. 
not that hard to find. And uh, until we meet again, happy May, everybody. Much love to you. Peace.